0: Let's pray, Lord, as we continue um, together in worship, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word today. It's what we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. There's, we're going through Genesis, first three chapters of Genesis. We're up to Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. To start with, though, I want to uh, say this verse, and this is Ecclesiastes 3.11. And it says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Ecclesiastes 3.11 He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I hanga, ea ia ngā mea katoa kia tāhua i tono anō. Ah, i whakā nohia, uh, ea ia te ao kia o rātau ngākau, their hearts, Put in their hearts, eternity. Engāri, kia koua te tangata i kite i tā te atua mahi. I mahi ai, mai te timatanga, from the start, uh, Taia, Notia, Te he, He's made everything beautiful. He's also set eternity into the human heart. But no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And what they're saying, that in every uh, every person, every culture, God has left clues of who He is and what is to come. And so... That was even before any missionary from any culture or any nation came. God has been speaking. Romans 1.20 says that as well, that God has been speaking through his creation. In other parts, in Psalms, God speaks. It's called, the theologians call it universal, uh, universal revelation. That even before specific revelation, there's universal revelation. Also in this Ecclesiastes 3, um, there's mystery. Hey, God is speaking, but there's still things we don't understand. So there's revelation, but there's also mystery. And um, Don Richardson is an anthropologist. And what he discovered as he studied cultures around the world, that they had these stories of what God had done creation stories, some of them paralleled quite closely the Bible story without ever having had the Bible, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years before the Bible. Um, some had uh, prophecies from from their prophets of what was to come. For instance, the Pacific Islands, they had prophecies of people coming with the gospel hundreds of years before it actually happened. Um, so, but he's going to tell us... Uh, One thing about Aotearoa um, that kind of is relevant to what we're studying. So thank you, Bay. Bay, (laughs) anō. It's a Bay show today.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, I have read that book, Eternity in the Hearts. It's it's thrilling. Um, And um, it does point out commonalities in our stories. And uh, for, for me, I think part of the reason, at least one of the reasons, why our Māori tipuna accepted the gospel so readily when it came was the similarities between the stories. Between the stories. Um, In the Genesis account we have where God took the dust of the earth, made the first man, Adam, and breathed into that what he made. And enlivened, uh, the first man. Um, in our Maori stories, we have that the, the first person was created from the clay at a at a pool called Kurawaka and the uh, had the Maori also breathed into her. It was a, a, the first uh, created person. Maori stories was a woman. But well, what does that tell me? What does that tell me? There are similarities there. There are commonalities. First of all, that we both believe, uh, or the Maori and the, the Pākehā who brought the gospel, or the missionaries believe, first of all, that there is a spiritual realm inhabited by God, by gods on the Maori side, so that there is another dimension as opposed to the the secular uh, uh, thought that we have today. <clears throat> um, secondly, that we were created. We were created. We, just, we didn't just happen. That's another common thread. Thirdly, we were created from the dust of the earth. From the earth, and and then there was this enlivening of the creation by God's breath, by God breathing. So there are many different common threads, as I said, that I believe was uh, at least one of the reasons for our people accepting the gospel so readily. Uh, you know.
0: We're going to look at uh, our other scriptures after that. So we're going to look at Genesis 2, 4-7, to and then uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1-7. to Actually, we might just go straight to that, uh, Joe. So, Genesis 2, 4-7. This is the account of the heavens and the earth, when they were created, when the Lord made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But... Streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. John chapter 9 verses 1 to 7. As he went along, this is Jesus, as he went along he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the eyes of the man, the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Silio. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Genesis, thank you, babe, and uh, I thank you for your faithfulness, Uh, faithfulness to us, to the word, to the To the faith, to Fakapono, and Jenny, to your faithfulness in the same way to the faith, and um, you know it's easy. Anyone can be a daddy. Um, Not everyone can be a father, you know. And the difference is faithfulness to um, yeah to what is important. So thank you, you people. And uh, Genesis one summary of God's creation: six days of work, then the rest day. This is not the end of God's involvement in the world. But the initial creation summary given in Genesis 1, and then a day of rest, um, this is kind of different from Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, it changes. like we now go into a close-up in Genesis 2. Um, As I said before, uh, it's like going to the mole map where you have a look over everything, and then she goes in and she looks at specific moles and does close-ups and then blows it up on the computer. Genesis 2, we're now into the close-up of of God's creation. And there are some contrasts between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Genesis 1, man and woman come last. This is day 6 in Genesis 1. Creation of man is highlighted uh, with very little backdrop. But Genesis 2, this is different. There's not much around in Genesis 2. There's just dust. There's no rain. Any water that comes springs up. Um, Genesis 2 also, there's, um, there's no shrub or plant. There's no woman. There's only man. So how do we explain those contrasts, the differences between Genesis 1 and 2? A few things. Number one, the emphasis in Genesis is not chronological. It's not about the timing of how things happen, how the creation happens. It's theological and anthropological, which is a really long word. But it's about um, God and man. It's not about the timing of everything, it's about God and man. And so Genesis 2 goes in for the close-up, and we don't, we don't see that in, in, the, in that brief summary of Genesis 1. Secondly, possibly the vegetation lacking in Genesis 2 is, is like a precursor to Genesis 3, where we do see thistles and thorns of the, after the fall of Adam and Eve. And the no rain might be referring to the troubled rain of Noah's time. In Genesis 6. And thirdly, the initial lack of woman in Genesis 2 emphasizes the lack of woman. (laughs) It lets man realize, man, this place is awesome. It's really, really good. It would be even better if we had some female company around here. (laughs) It, It helps man appreciate her when woman finally arrives. And from the early days, people have seen that there are contrasts between Genesis 2 and Genesis 1. But also there's correlation between Genesis 2 and John chapter 9, 1 to 7. This healing of the man born blind. God creates in Genesis 2, 4 to 7. He creates man. And he uses two things, possibly three. It's not specifically mentioned, but it's there. Could well have been used. So he uses dust. Perhaps he uses the water from the springs. And he uses a breath of God. Dust. Breath of God. Possibly the water from the springs. Verse 7. It says, God formed man. Form comes from the word. It's the same original word in Jeremiah which means potter. So the verb is talking about he, he, he forms him, he potters the man using the dust to make like clay, like a potter. Dust, possibly water, and spirit, God creates. He uses, this is important, he uses both uh, supernatural and natural material. uses dust and that breath. Oh, got excited. Breath of God, dust and spirit. Genesis 3:19, you're from the dust, and before long, you're gonna go back to dust. Hey, we're from dust, we're gonna return to dust. God uses dirt to make us, and the creation of us is not accidental, but God makes us as a craftsman. As a potter, he shapes us, forms us, and he uses natural things, dust, dirt, clay, and then the supernatural, the divine breath of God. Now, God doesn't breathe onto the sun, doesn't breathe onto the moon, doesn't breathe onto the stars, doesn't breathe onto the vegetation, but to man, as he forms him, after he forms him, he breathes supernatural life onto man. He breathes spirit into man. Verse 7. Te manawa ora. A, ka ora te tangata. God makes man by breathing into him. God creates man. And Jesus renovates. He recreates man. John 9, 1-7. Jesus fixes the blind man. Makes new. He'd always been blind. Blind from birth. And the debate from the disciples was about, well, whose fault is it? Who sinned? Was it the man? Did he sin in his mother's womb? And some Jews believe that, that you can sin in your mother's womb. So was it the man sinning in his mother's womb, or was it his parents' sin? Who was it? Which is a pretty harsh question to ask, don't you think? And Jesus' answer is this. He says this. This is not about the past. This is about the future. There's no specific sin involved here. Early in John chapter 5, there is sin involved, where Jesus heals a man at the pool. And Jesus says, stop sinning. But here, there is no sin issue. You know, sometimes in sickness and dysfunction, there is a sin issue. Sometimes there is sure, but not here in John nine. Jesus says the past is not the issue; the issue is the future. Nine chapter uh, nine verse three: that the work of God may be displayed in His life. That the work of God may be displayed in His life. This is what this is about. That God's power, God's work is going to be displayed in his life. For the man born blind, his life had been dark. And your life may have been dark. It may be dark even now. There may be some sin involved there somewhere. It might be from you. It might be from others. Darkness. You know what? But renovations can start today. Recreation can happen today. Because that was, is what Jesus loves to do. He loves to renovate. He loves to recreate. You know, Jesus was right there at creation. He was there at the beginning. The whole Trinity was there. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, te matu, te tamu, te wairua, tapu. We, we have a Trinitarian God. We have God three but one. Trinitarian God. How does God do it? How does God renovate? How does He recreate? This is how Jesus did it. He gets some dust, spits on it, makes mud, creates new sight, new life for the man. But it's not just dust and spits in this renovation. You know, the man was not healed immediately. The man didn't see immediately when he got the mud in his eyes. Jesus says this. He says, "Go, go to the pool of Silium, another pool. Go to the pool of Silium and wash." And the blind man, you know, he may, he might have called it quits there. Had the, had the, had Jesus there. Had the mud on his eyes. Nothing, nothing. Still blind as a bat. And Jesus said, "Go to the, go to the pool of Silium." Is he going to do it? He goes, washes, comes back. And you see, this is the supernatural part. It's that faith part. He had the natural part, had the dust, the spit, had the mud on his eyes, but is he going to go to the pool called Scent? Is he going to go? He goes, he washes, comes back, he's renovated. He's seeing. Verse 7 He went and washed and came home seeing. Now, Hariyana Yea Ah, Hoki ana mai. Came home seeing. So it's a combination of quite ordinary things dust, spit, water, walking to a pool, coming home. Natural and supernatural. Natural and supernatural. Natural and supernatural. You know, for Jesus, the human needs of Jesus, three years of ministry on this earth, we see how was his needs needs provided? Well, it came through a combination of natural and supernatural ways of doing it that he and his disciples were provided for. There were times of supernatural, of miraculous supply of, of bread, of wine, of fish, of money in a fish's mouth, Matthew 17. In other times, it was less exciting. Luke 4, it says the disciples went to the shops. They went to the shops, and they took out money from their pockets, and they bought stuff, and they brought it to Jesus. That's sometimes how things were provided. Luke 8, it says this, rich woman, verse 3, rich woman helped support Jesus and disciples with their money. Sometimes it was just that. Natural and supernatural. John twenty twenty two after the resurrection, it says this that Jesus breathes uh, breathes on the disciples. He empowers them. It's like a precursor to the falling of the Holy Spirit uh, in, in the start of Acts for their work in establishing the church. One Corinthians twelve to fourteen and Romans twelve. God sends. Some other things that can help in the project. Some gifts. Some of these are quite ordinary. Administration, leadership, helping, contributing to the needs of others. Others are more spectacular. Miracles, prophecy, tongues. Because God uses both natural and supernatural. He uses dirt and water and and. Spiritual power breath to bring life. And Jesus uses dust and spit and and faith to bring life. God uses both natural and supernatural. Natural. Friends, he uses. Enemies, he uses. Rest, he uses. Good habits, he uses. Holidays, counseling and wise advice, medication, surgeons, hopefully tomorrow, the bush, mountains, beach, the water, human kindness. God uses natural things. And he uses supernatural. He uses prayer. He uses exorcism. He uses prophetic words. He uses dreams and visions and healings and miracles and the anointed word of God. He uses both natural, and supernatural. This beautiful paradox is summed up in Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. Paul says this, four, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Uh, at the prayer meeting, um, Tim didn't know this. He mentioned that. He said, oh, I'm going to use that today. We have th- this treasure in jars of clay. Dirt, but there's something special in us. The Spirit of God in us. It's weird, isn't it? do you think it's weird? We're we're hardened bits of clay. But there's something else there as well. Dirt, with the Spirit of God breathed into. One of the obligations of parenthood is pumping up flat balls. (laughs) First part of that is trying to find where that jolly valve
1: is.
0: (laughs) And re-pumping, putting air in from time to time. And as we finish today, you know, people would love to do that with you today. I don't know if you feel like you might need that. People would love to do that. We have people come up here and just love to pray the Spirit of God into you. You know what? Because we leak, <laughs> we leak. There's a, a a woman in a Pentecostal church, and they were noisy Pentecostal church, and they always used to have a altar call at the end. And uh, this lady, every Sunday, she would come up, and she would come up noisily, but have this altar call. Yeah, if you want, if you want spur come up. And she would come up from the back. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. And she'd come up. they pray for her and she'd fall over. And next week, have the altar call. Sit at the back, come up. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. She'd come up. Next week, same again. Altar call. Last part of church. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. And someone in the church, Don't do it, Lord. She leaks! (laughs) But we leak. Hey, we leak. It's true we leak. And that's why we just need the Lord to just keep breathing His Spirit into us. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, Anyone else who wants specific prayer, people here would love to do it. And um, can those prayers come up that are on today? That would be great. So I thank you, Lord, for these people and precious people that are um, they're funny combination of dirt and water and spirit. And, Lord, we pray your blessing upon them today in the name of um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. On each and every one of them. We, Holy Spirit, uh, breathe on them today. We bless them today in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you. Um, eternity you have placed in their hearts, how you have spoken to them in many different ways and you continue to speak to them. We bless them today in your mighty name. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great afternoon.